Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karan Bhatia, joined by Chris Mannix. You know him as the senior writer at Sports Illustrated. He works for The Zone Boxing. You've seen him everywhere. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good, and I have a lot I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, we know you're on the ground for the Virgil Ortiz fight. Uh, it seems like there's been some recent developments. I know it's all coming together uh, very quickly, but it looks like there may be a change in plans uh, for what Virgil Ortiz had planned for this weekend, right? Yeah, the the details are still coming in as we're recording this on Thursday morning. But my understanding is that the Virgil ortiz Amanta Stanionis fight will be called off. Uh, and this is due to some kind of health issue related to Virgil Ortiz. Uh, we know Virgil over the last year has been battling uh, complications from rhabdo, which is a significant illness that affects his muscles and affects his ability to do a lot of things. Uh, I, I don't know as we, we are speaking if that's directly connected, but that's something that obviously has plagued Virgil Ortiz uh, really over the last year, year and a half as he's risen up the welterweight division. So uh, it's it's incredibly disappointing because Ortiz Stanionis, I think, had a chance to be uh, one of the best fights of the year, maybe the best fight of the year, you know, given their 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 talent level and their explosive styles. But um yeah, it, as we're we're speaking, uh, my understanding is Ortiz is out and that fight is off. It's such a tough situation for boxing fans because we we never get the fights we want and then we start to get them and they're getting canceled. And that's that's obviously such a uh, a tough one for boxing fans. Most importantly, I think, of course, is, is Virgil Ortiz's health and he should do everything he can to protect that going forward. That's that's more important than anything else. Um, to put it in perspective of boxing, though, for Virgil Ortiz, I mean, this is this is one of the best young fighters in the game. I mean, um, he's he's absolutely exceptional when he's in there. But the question is, of course, being in there, and, and this has become an issue for him in his career. Um, I, I'm just asking you to speculate here, just going forward for him in his career. I mean, this, this, these conditions and and these um, physical things that he's dealing with, this is this is going to be a problem for uh, for him going forward. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself with exactly why this fight was canceled and and what it's connected to, but it has been a a really problematic last year or so for Virgil uh, since he's been diagnosed with, with rhabdo. Um, you know, he appeared on my podcast just the other day and we were talking about kind of how he was dealing with it. And he had felt at that time that he had gotten a hold of it. They had figured out the right ways to, to treat it uh, so that it doesn't affect him. And, you know, he felt good about where he was at when we spoke uh, but now, obviously, you know, something has happened that that has set him back. Uh, and, and that's it's kind of chilling, to be honest, because Virgil is 25 years old. Um, you know, uh, guys this young, you know, you, you don't often hear about stuff like this impacting them. So you, you hope for the best with him that, you know, that there could be some, you know, some moving forward from this. But, you know, given how many times you know, he's had to deal with this type of thing. If it is in fact, this type of thing, what we're talking about, uh, it, it does raise a lot of serious questions about, you know, what his future is going to be. 
it's it's always tough uh, when it happens to a young fighter. I believe Sugar Ray Leonard, around the same age, had had really bad eye issues. Obviously, he was able to turn that around and come back and and um, leave a legacy in the sport. But most important is uh, Virgil Ortiz's health, and and he should get that taken care of. I know this is this is all coming together very quickly, um, and so this is again asking you to just just play speculation. Um, do you think this fight has already been rescheduled once? Do you think uh, this fight would get rescheduled again? Or is it just way too premature to even think about that at this point? Uh, probably way too premature to to even speculate on. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to find out just how serious this this condition is that Virgil is is dealing with and, you know, what that means for his career moving forward. I'm sure if you're Stan Ionis, you want to be active as well. I mean, Danny Onis hasn't fought since April of 2022 on the undercard of, uh, of that Errol Spence, Udanis Ugas fight. So it, it, it's, it, he's going to want to get back out, whether it's against Virgil Ortiz or get against somebody else. I would imagine that Danny Onis looks to, to fight sooner rather than later. Uh, he does have that WBA belt, which look, we all assume is going to become a full title, once uh, the Spence Crawford uh, dust up gets taken care of in late July, but uh, I, I think he's going to want to be active. I would imagine And Virgil Ortiz. We don't know anything about when or if he's going to be able to get back in the ring. Well, we wish Virgil Ortiz the best with the situation he's dealing with uh, right now. And um, so in terms of, we, we mentioned boxing fans, you know, we always want these fights. We are getting a very interesting fight, and this is actually what I was planning to to start off the podcast with, the news that came out last week, and, and I know you were all over this story, and that's, of course, Canelo Alvarez. We we all assumed he was going to take on Jermall Charlo. That's not what's happening. He's taking on Jermell, um, and, and I know you reported on this on this heavily. Um, a very interesting turn of events. Uh, it's debatable whether it's a tougher fight or not. I think there's a lot of um, good arguments either side uh, that it could actually be a tougher fight. For Canelo, uh, you, we're talking about issues of, of people not fighting, and I'm just curious to to your thoughts here. Jermall, it's been mentioned that it was personal issues, and we know that the WBC had come out in support of him for mental health challenges. I, I've always said this for fighters that I think taking time off uh, to get mental health uh, figured out is, is a great thing. It's it's good to not perform when you're not at your best. Uh, take the time you need. Is that what you feel like Jermall is dealing with? Is it is it like a mental health type thing? Is there other personal issues? Because whatever it is it must be something pretty big to turn down probably one of the biggest fights or paydays for him uh, in Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. Look, the, the Jamal Charlo issues are legit. Um, he has been dealing with a back issue, but the issues that are keeping him from fighting Canelo Alvarez are, uh, are more to do with his personal life. He's been dealing with a significant family issue right now. And he and his team just decided you know, they're basically said, look, we're, we're going to be preparing for the biggest fight of our careers. This is make or break for us. This is our opportunity to, you know, fight, you know, one of the best in boxing and take our, our, our career to the next level. And, and they didn't believe he could do it. Uh, not with everything going on in his personal life. I don't believe this is any kind of conspiracy. I don't believe there's any kind of bait and switch here. Uh, you know, when Canelo Alvarez agreed to this three fight deal with PBC, uh, Jamal Charlo was the first fight of that deal. The second fight, it might have even been Jamel Charlo. Jamel might have been earmarked for that that second go around, but Jamal Charlo was the one that was uh, penciled in uh, to this spot. Uh, and with him out, 
look, Jamel, I, I give him credit. You know, he he was facing a mandatory obligation against Tim Zhu, and that would have been you know, relatively high risk and relatively low reward in a mandatory fight against Tim Zhu. <laughs> now he gets the chance to move up and wait and have his kind of dare to be great moment, you know, to, to put himself up against one of the very best in boxing in a high profile fight that will earn him a career best uh, payday. Uh, so I, I think Jamel, uh, even though I'm sure it's difficult for him to see his brother going through everything, his brother's going through uh, he, he saw an opportunity and he jumped on it. And uh, I, I think he's, uh, you know, I, I give him credit for that. Kudos to him for stepping up. Obviously, he's going to be going up multiple weight classes here, but getting the opportunity, as we always say, daring to be great. What's interesting about this, you mentioned that maybe Jermel was pen- penciled in for the second fight, but it wasn't a. I remember years ago, there was a situation where David Hay signed a contract to fight a Klitschko brother, and, it, and then they were going to negotiate and figure out which one it was. For this next fight, in terms of Canelo's upcoming next fight, it wasn't new. It wasn't that he was deciding which brother, right? This was news to Canelo. This was news to a lot of people. And I know you spoke about this on your podcast with Mike Coppinger. This this was news to a lot of people uh, until recently that Jermel was going to step in, right? Yeah, it, this was, I mean, they had everything but the posters printed for Jermel Charlo against Canelo. It, it was ticketed for September 30th. Uh, that was the fight. Uh, you know, Jamal was on board with it. Canelo was on board with it. Uh, you know, they, it would be the WBC middleweight champion versus the WBC. And of course, all the sanctioning bodies, uh, super middleweight champion. So th- this was, this was a done deal. It just got to the point for Jamal that, that he said, I, I, I can't do it. I can't be as focused as I need to be for that type of fight. And if we're being real, I mean, Jamal Charlo has been out and about some over the last year. And I mean, you watch some of these videos and he, he doesn't look like he's in the best place. You know, it is, he just doesn't look like he's, he's as focused as he would probably need to be to be competitive in a fight against Canelo Alvarez. So the, the primary goal for Jamal now is to just get his life under control, uh, you know, figure out what's best for him, for his family, and then worry about boxing later. And, and we'll see what happens with Jamal. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I know that the early spin has been, well, these guys were both 154 pounders, uh, you know, Jermel is is a world champion. He's been a world champion for some time. He's got a great resume at 154. I, I still think this is an easier fight for for Canelo Alvarez. I mean, Jermel was, you know, life and death with Brian Castaño over a couple of fights. Uh, Brian Castaño is a good fighter. He's not Canelo Alvarez. And I, I personally believe Canelo, even if he's not the A-plus fighter we've been used to seeing over the last few years, is still B-plus, A-minus uh, level fighter. And I think that is is going to be significantly better than Jermel jumping up to weight class. The other factor with Jermel is that, you know, he hasn't fought in a long time, largely due to the hand injury he suffered in December, a hand injury that's taken some time to heal. He's had multiple kind of pushbacks of this fight against Tim Zhu. Uh, you know, how confident is Jermel going to be throwing that that injured hand in a fight against Canelo? So, you know, I think that the the this is this is shaping up to be a, a certainly a marketable fight, undisputed versus undisputed. The first time that two four belt champions have gotten in the ring in the men's uh, division, anyway. Uh, but you know, if you're Canelo, you're feeling pretty good about your chances going into a fight with Jamel Charlo. It's going to make for a really interesting contest, especially with this opponent 
change and the weight class and the undisputed and all, all of that stuff. Uh, I wanted to ask you for a long time, we saw Canelo fighting on HBO, then on the zone there, there was one fight on, on Showtime in between. Um, but we know recently he made the decision to go with PBC. It's been reported that it's a three fight deal. Uh, we mentioned, we mentioned the Charlos are, are up first for him. Um, when you look at the opponents that were available to Canelo, uh on the zone that would most likely be fighters on the matchroom stable golden boy stable things like that um versus what was available to him in terms of opponents uh under the pbc umbrella um i'm just curious to your thoughts on on canelo's decision to do that uh one in terms of the opposition he'll be facing and then also just in terms of a good business decision for canelo himself Uh, i think this is the best business decision this is the best legacy decision for Canelo Alvarez. Um, look, Canelo wanted to fight Dimitri Bivol in a rematch. We can debate the 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 intelligence of that because I don't think he would have won a rematch with Dimitri Bivol at 168 or 175, but he wanted that fight. The problem with that fight being made was that the money just wasn't there, at least not in terms of guarantees. You know, I had heard that Bivol wanted three times what he made for the first fight against Canelo. Canelo obviously doesn't want to take a pay cut to fight someone the caliber of Dimitri Bivol. And there just isn't that kind of money there uh, anywhere from DAZN, from Showtime, from ESPN, you name it. They're not going to put up the kind of money Canelo's looking for uh, or what Bivol's looking for uh, for that particular fight. And beyond that, you know, Edgar Berlanga, like fun fighter, but even before the win over Jason Quigley, which was uninspiring at best, you know, I didn't think Berlanga warranted that type of fight. Uh, You know, the, there's nobody else really on the matchroom side you would consider for that. I mean, Jaime Munguia, kind of interesting, but Munguia hasn't fought anybody either. And there's the whole problem with Golden Boy promoting Jaime Munguia. So this move to PBC, it's 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 smart. You know, he's going to get a lot of guaranteed money, probably 35 to 40 million every time he fights, if not more on the back end of this deal. There are marketable opponents. I mean, Jamal Charlo certainly is not what he was a couple of years ago. But he's still a name. He's still undefeated. He's still a title holder. Obviously, Jermel undisputed at 154. And David Benavidez is out there. Um, most people believe David Benavidez uh, should have gotten the first shot at Canelo. Uh, for whatever reason, Canelo decided to go in a different direction. But it's likely David Benavidez will, you know, face Canelo at for in one of these fights of these deals. And there's also backup plans out there. I mean, you know, we've talked about Canelo versus Demetrius Andrade for, for many years now, going back to 160. Uh, you know, Andrade's still lurking out there with PBC affiliation now and fighting at 168. So th- this just made sense. It just made a ton of sense. So, you know, Matchroom has had a good relationship with Canelo, but, you know, what happens when Canelo rolls through your entire stable is that your stable, you don't have a stable left to 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 put him up against. And that's exactly what's happened since late 2021. So, you know, Canelo will, will do these fights and hell who knows, you know, maybe the end of 2024, Edgar Berlanga has risen to a level where he's a worthy challenger. Jaime Munguia has risen to a level where he's a worthy, worthy challenger. Maybe somebody else emerges from, from that matchroom golden boy, uh, you know, side of the proverbial street that makes sense. Uh, but for now, this, uh, this deal makes the most business sense and it makes the most boxing sense for Canelo Alvarez. It's UFC 290. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CURRAN, C-U-R-R-A-N. 
Bet just $5 to get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code CURRAN, C-U-R-R-A-N, only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Tennessee and Kansas, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms. It makes the most boxing sense and uh, the Bivol fight can still happen. The Bivol rematch can still happen down the line, as you mentioned, plus all those other uh, big fights as well. You were mentioning um, the the fighter pay there, and, and obviously that's a huge consideration for Canelo, guaranteed money, things like that. Uh, curious to your thoughts of the landscape because there has been a shift in a way to let's say new entities coming into boxing, right? And then they can put up a lot of money. And sometimes that can throw off a little bit of, of the competitive balance that's there. Because let's say if you are a new entity, uh, you may be willing to to put out more money almost as like a loss later just to get your platform up and going. But that can change um, the the whole landscape, the whole dynamic. And, and I'm just curious to your thoughts about where we're at right now in terms of fighter pay at the highest level and the guarantees and things like that. We know that uh, there's been talks about a card coming together in Saudi Arabia for December and, and huge purses being mentioned in, in that world as well. And that, that kind of plays into what I'm, I'm talking about. So what, what are your thoughts on the landscape and, and pay and uh, fighter pay at the highest level? Yeah. For the last few years, certainly DAZN has disrupted that they have been willing to pay elevated purses, uh, you know, for, what have turned out to be lesser fights. They've been willing to commit a lot of money to Canelo Alvarez, you know, to be, to have Canelo on the platform. And I'm sure there's been a, 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 a straight line to, to success, to, to viability, to subscriptions, all those things, but it's led to, you know, inflated purses in terms of guarantees for fights. The Saudi stuff is a little bit different in that, like, you know, they, I mean, they, they're not trying to get into boxing, full-time they're trying to put on the occasional big events and look if they can pull off a double header featuring anthony joshua and deontay wilder and tyson fury against alexander Usyk, more power to them i mean that would be an event unlike any we've seen in boxing history uh and it, it would be really compelling to to watch i think what's what's hurt boxing continues to hurt boxing are guarantees for pay-per-view uh i know it's not a popular thing to say you know to, to fighters, but there shouldn't be more than modest pay guarantees for pay-per-views. There really shouldn't like fighters should be guaranteed 
the kind of money they would make on Showtime Championship Boxing, on DAZN, on ESPN, and then they should get almost all of, you know, most of, of the upside. You have a little money for the promoters, a little money for the networks, the rest of the money goes to the fighters. What's kill boxing is that there are these massive guarantees that networks and promoters can't hope to make any money off. They, they can't even hope to, to get their money back in a lot of circumstances. And I really don't think that's fair. I'm not trying to, you know, be a, a shill for a promoter, but I don't, I don't know why a promoter or a network has to take a loss. Like a pay-per-view in a lot of ways should be a risk or a fighter shouldn't go on pay-per-view. If they think they can sell enough to warrant a five, 10, 15, whatever million dollar purse. Great. You know, do it. Uh, But the risk should be mutually absorbed. Everyone should bear some of it. And with these exorbitant guarantees, there's just, there's almost no risk to, to the fighter's, you know, going on these pay-per-views. So I'd love to see a point for boxing to get to where there are legitimate low seven figure guarantees for big fights. And then the fighters get, you know, 90% of the available upside uh, when it comes to pay-per-view revenue. Uh, I think that's what would get boxing into a better place. And we get more, uh, you know, more, more competitive fights more often at that pay-per-view level. At the end of the day, we just, we need a sustainable, business model a business yeah. ecosystem to get these these fights together and then have those fights work have those fighters come together within that ecosystem and like you mentioned you can have the upside there uh to make sure that that everyone does get taken care and, of and there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of merits that like you know i've had this conversation with bob arrow many times but how kind of pay-per-views in the 80s and even early 90s were were run and you know if a pay-per-view is successful and you give the fighter most of the upside there's a chance for them to make a boatload, you know, even more money than uh, than than they'd make on a on a regular guarantee. So it, it certainly is a risk, but there is a reward attached to it. It maybe look maybe it does force fighters to to take you know more competitive fights before they get on pay per view. Um, I, I think it's it's difficult for a fighter to be successful on pay per view when their fights on non pay per view have been one sided and, and have been kind of a side versus. C or D side. I think it's difficult to, to, to draw fans in the kind of fans that are willing to shell out 75, 85 bucks, you know, for a pay-per-view. So I just think that model needs to change, but unfortunately, you know, there's, you know, whether it's DAZN, Showtime, ESPN, there's just always going to be someone that, that puts up a lot of guaranteed money to make, you know, a pay-per-view happen when, when the reality is a lot of these fights they don't really belong on pay-per-view, frankly. They belong on networks or on streaming services and off that pay-per-view platform. There's uh, also a, a change in the landscape in terms of technology. And, and I know that uh, the Showtime bosses came out recently and talked about piracy effects, that it could maybe up to 30 to 40% uh, in terms of taking away buys and things like that. And I'm sure that's that's a big problem that they're dealing with now that they didn't have in the same way before with the old pay-per-view model. So it's it's probably time for some type of update and change. Um, the other part I wanted to ask you about, which is, the, I guess, the other news of the day, Anthony Joshua versus Dillian White, the rematch signed uh, August 12th. And this fight will actually not be on pay-per-view in America. It'll just be on The Zone, uh, pay-per-view elsewhere. Um, we were talking about the Saudi Arabia card, which which has Anthony Joshua's name attached to it. And I, and I saw the clip that, that you posted today 
um, with Sergio Moore. And you mentioned that this is a little bit of a winner go home fight for all involved, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. And so in a way, as a boxing fan, we say, that's great. Stay active. Uh, fight Anthony Joshua fight. Now let's see you in some kind of competitive fight. And then we'll see you again in December because we want to see our fighters active. But I want you to put yourself in the head of Anthony Joshua as the businessman. You have this massive purse that's dangling there in December in Saudi Arabia, a huge payday. As a businessman, should Anthony Joshua be fighting right now or should he just focus on a December payday? I think if that Saudi deal was inked, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, then Anthony Joshua probably should have stayed away. I mean, that if if we're talking about the kind of money it's likely we're talking about, you know, $60 million, $70 million, whatever it may be, I have no idea what those numbers are ultimately going to be. But if that was was locked in 100%, yeah, I think I'd probably have, you know, taken, you know, the next few months off and gone straight into that that next fight. But as we've seen, you know, historically, getting deals done in the Middle East is complicated. I mean, we've already gone from this fight's going to happen in December to maybe it happens in January. Then who knows where we're going to be a month, two months from now. Anthony Joshua can't tie himself to, you know, the prospect of uh, a super lucrative deal in the Middle East uh, that isn't set in stone. Um, and look, Dillian White, I think, is the right fight for him right now. I mean, Dillian uh, is still dangerous. And he's certainly still marketable. Uh, he's got his fans in the UK. And there'll be some buzz for this fight, given the way that their first fight went eight years ago. But Dillian White's been knocked out in two of his last four fights. He did not look good in a win over Jermaine Franklin uh, late last year. Like, if Anthony Joshua is like, I think, 80 or 90% of what he's been in the past, he should stop Dillian White. And look, it's a chance for him to get another fight under his belt with Derek James as his trainer, another full training camp, you know, built rebuild his confidence even more uh, because I think that's been a problem for him over the last couple of years. I think there's a lot of, a lot of merit to, to take in this fight. And he's going to make a boatload of money. I mean, they'll sell out O2 arena. They'll do a decent number on pay-per-view. He's going to make a lot of money, you know, for this fight. So because that Saudi deal is not inked yet, uh, I think this is the right decision uh, for AJ. It is, as I said, though, it is winner go home, I think, for both. I mean, AJ's 33 years old. The idea that he's going to to rebuild with two or three more Jermaine Franklin level fight, any other young up and coming heavyweight, uh, I think for both these guys, uh, they win. They go on to a big, massive payday against Deontay Wilder. Uh, they lose. And that's probably the end of their boxing careers. It's a calculated risk in a way, because if he does win, he gets that confidence, that momentum, possibly a highlight reel knockout. He gets a payday in the interim, and that can set him up for even more success, possibly in December, riding riding off that confidence. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about, I know, of course, you cover NBA as well as boxing, and I know there's probably specific challenges for each sport. We're talking about all these fights coming together, fights getting canceled in boxing. It, it can be frustrating and maddening for boxing fans in, at some point. Uh, I'm just curious to your perspective, you know, you when you cover NBA, you look at these teams and they have a schedule lined up and you know the best teams are going to face the best teams. There's going to be a, a playoff series, a final series to make that happen. So when you look at the different sports, do you ever look at NBA and be like, oh man, I wish there was a way that boxing could kind of adopt just this type of schedule and knowing the matchups that you're going to get. Of course. I mean, but I'd almost settle for boxing 
mirroring what UFC is doing. You know, if UFC, at the very least, you know that pretty regularly you're going to get the best in each weight class fighting the best. And that's largely because UFC has, you know, whatever it is, 85, 90% of the market share when it comes to MMA. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's obviously what holds boxing back. I mean, I'm of the opinion that if you could create a schedule in boxing that that looks like MMA, that looks like uh, you know one of the major sports, one of the four major sports, uh, it w- boxing would quickly rise to the most popular sport among them. I just believe that. I mean, because we, we have history of it. You go back to the '80s, you know, and before then. I mean, I worked for Sports Illustrated. Boxing was on the cover of SI all the time. You know. Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, Tommy Hearns. These were household names. These were guys every bit as popular as the NBA and NFL stars of their day. And, you know, if they were competing at the level they were competing in the 80s right now, they'd still be as popular. They'd still be right up there. I mean, I've I've been to I don't know how many NBA finals games like it. it the intensity pales in comparison to what you see and feel moments before a major fight, something like, you know, Canelo Alvarez against Gennady Golovkin part one or Mayweather against Pacquiao. We're probably going to feel with Bud Crawford, Errol Spence in July. If you can, if you can ever get that kind of consistency in boxing and I give boxing credit, you know, 2023 has been a really good year. PBC has been excellent at putting fights together this year, whether it's Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis or this upcoming one with uh, with Spence and Crawford, if they can just get year after year consistency, you will see boxing rise from the proverbial ashes and become, you know, a a closer to mainstream sports. Certainly on the level of what UFC is right now uh, to to some mainstream fans. Uh, I I just you know it, it, I just don't hold my breath for it because I think no matter how good this year has looked, next year could be awful, and and we'll just be stuck on this never-ending hamster wheel of uh, of rising and falling of boxing, you know, until we're all sick of the sport and get out of it. It, it seems like uh, at least this year, a lot of fights coming together. We mentioned Spence Crawford, the big one, and and it is a kudos, I think, also to boxing fans for just demanding these fights every time seeing these fighters. Uh, demanding these fights. It seems like we're getting a few more undisputed fights, those type of unification fights. Um, and it would just be nice, obviously, to see more of it. But at least to your point of this year, it's heading in the right direction. And and hopefully that will continue. Chris Mannix, I want to thank you so much uh, for the time. I, I know uh, you got a lot to deal with on the ground over there. So I'm going to let you go. Um, but, but thanks so much for taking the time to chat. Yeah. And, and we should, we can even say now that, you know, as we're recording, we're doing this in real time. The, the Ortiz Stan Jonas fight has been officially postponed. Uh, Golden Boys already issued a statement on it. They support Virgil's decision to back out, uh, 100%. Um, I guess Floyd Schofield, who is one of the, uh, prospects Golden Boy is most excited about will be moving up to the main event of this show. So, uh, it's a bummer for Virgil Ortiz. I, I hope that he can get his body right, get his health right to keep his career going. But he's got to kind of grab a hold of all this and uh, and uh, make sure he's physically well enough to stay, uh, continue on in the sport. And and to be clear, there with the with the latest breaking news, the main event is off. The Virgil Ortiz fight is off, but the card will still be going on on the zone, and and there still will be a card coming up on Saturday night. There still will be a card. Floyd Schofield, uh, I believe, will be the headliner. Um, uh, you've got Jojo Diaz on the card. Marlon Esparza is in a title unification fi- uh, bout on the card. So still some interesting fights there, but just, yeah, it's it's always kind of a bummer when you lose uh, a main event as attractive as Ortiz-Stanionis. If that kind of fight can be rescheduled, great. But again, 
it's all about Virgil's health. He's got to he's he's got to worry about that first and foremost before he thinks about boxing. Chris Mannix, thank you so much for the time. You got it. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at ate underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. Uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.